Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, January the 14th, 2022 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year C, the second Sunday of Epiphany. And on Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church calendar year. And so we find ourselves out of Matthew's gospel into John's gospel, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So let me read that passage. We've got a couple points for reflection. Then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. The host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. This is the word of God for us. There's a lot here in John chapter 2, this first sign of Jesus in John's gospel. It's also a story that brings about a little bit of a division in the church because some parts of the church I would rather not uh, enjoy alcoholic beverages, even in moderation. They try to refrain as much as possible. And other parts of the church don't mind. And so they find this story to be one of their favorite stories from their Lord and Master Jesus, right? Um, Spending some time in Presbyterianism, I can tell you that this is the favorite miracle of Presbyterians that comes from the story of Jesus. At any rate, there's a lot going on here in the story. And it's a peculiar story, right? I mean, so what you have is Jesus not wanting to do anything, but he's kind of following his mom's orders here. You have uh, the reversal of custom where the master of ceremonies, you know, he makes this great statement that uh, usually when we do these parties, that we try to get the most bang for our buck here. We bring out the good stuff first, but when people don't know any better, we bring out the cheapo stuff. But it seems like you've brought out even better stuff in the waning hours of, of this party. And isn't it interesting that the master of ceremonies has no idea where this supply comes from, right? Like they're supposed to be the ones managing everything like clipboard and a headset and all that stuff. And here they are, like they're totally out of the know about what to do here, right? And like this water that they turn into wine, this really good wine, it really would have been some terrible skunky water. So like these jars that uh, they fill up with water, like these are like the jars where people wash their feet from like all the grime and the dirt and like the animal excrement. 
that fills the streets so that they have clean feet when they go into a ceremony like this. So like, this is not just like, you know, a Tupperware thing that you just get from the dishwasher. Like this has been outside and who knows what has gotten near it. Right. And so this is like such a crazy story. So there's a lot to say here, but I think one thing I'd like to just conclude with this story is just how John is structured. So John obviously breaks rank with the other three canonical gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, In their gospels, the first sign or miracle of Jesus is that he casts out a demon of a man during a synagogue gathering in Capernaum. But here it is changing water into wine at a wedding festival um, in the town of Cana in Galilee. So different locations, different starting point for Jesus's miracle ministry. And John also confesses at the end of his gospel that uh, if we were to like write down all the things that Jesus said and what it meant, like those books would fill the whole earth and then some, right? But he only mentions seven miracles, seven signs. Uh, This is the first of seven. And then there's the seven I am statements that uh, bracket some of his gospel, right? So you've got like this interesting pattern of sevens. And, um, there's this interesting interesting day after day thing in the beginning, like on the next day and then on the third day. So like there's all these interesting things that are going on here. So what is John doing exactly? Well, some scholars suggest that the seven signs are akin to the seven days of creation. If you remember from Genesis chapter one, uh, the earth is created in that creation account in seven days. Uh, the heavens and the earth are established and they're, and they're put in their place. You you and I will also be reminded that in John chapter 1, John starts his gospel the same way that Genesis starts out. It talks about the beginning of something, right? And so seven days of creation in Genesis 1, seven signs in the first part of John. And so some scholars suggest that this is an artistic way, more of a, as a literary theologian, a narrative theologian, John is saying, this is how God is Putting the world back together. He has created and it's unraveled, but God has not abandoned this world, but he's putting it back together in and through the action and the preaching and teaching of Jesus from Nazareth. And so when he's putting his signs in order, there's a lot of pressure on what goes first. And so here he says, this is, this is the sign that I want to share first, that uh, Jesus did this extraordinary thing at this party. He blew this party out. Uh, The party was heading towards a bit of a malaise, like a letdown, like a wah-wah, you know, because the the wine was running out. But since Jesus was around, there was more than enough, just gallons and gallons of the choicest wine. Uh, And people kept hanging around, and the party roistered on and on. And this is the way in which Jesus revealed his glory. In the same way, the arrival of Jesus today and the arrival of Jesus in the future is not a letdown. It's not a buzzkill. Like, it's not like the guy who shows up at the party and he turns the, the music off and he, like, you know, bangs on somebody and says, All right, show's over. Everybody head to the exits and go to your cars because we've had enough. No, when Jesus shows up, like, he, like, turns the volume all the way to the right and the music gets louder and the celebration gets thicker and the joy increases all the more. This is what happens when Jesus turns up. The joy increases as well. And so as you and I think about our day that unfolds in front of us, we think about what's missing. When joy is missing, it's because Jesus is missing. But when joy abounds, it means Jesus is just right around the corner or maybe he's in the middle 
of the room. So may you and I experience the depth of joy knowing that Jesus is with us. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you today because we can rejoice in you. I thank you that when you enter the room, when you enter our lives, we change and the room changes. And we thank you that that usually trends towards joy and hope and uh, adoration and praise and peace and love. We thank you that it just trends towards that whenever you're in the room because you are the Prince of Peace. You are the giver of life and you're the one who is the beginning and the end. And so we thank you that there's come a, a great and glorious day where you're going to be united with your people for ages upon ages. And we get to raise our voices and enjoy the thrill of being in your people, a part of your kingdom. And so, God, we thank you that in the here and now, we can experience a depth of that as we follow you. Now, we understand that we're going to enter into rooms that are depleted of your presence because it hasn't been welcomed. You have not been honored. And so, may it be up to us today and may you give us the courage to bring the joy, to bring the hope, uh, to bring the ruckus of the kingdom into those rooms so that all may hear and know that there's a better word, uh, that the Son has been raised, that He's upon the throne, that He's the Lord of the world, and that He's putting us and it, the world, back together. And so God, uh, set us apart today. Allow us to be people of celebration and hope, and I pray that it would change lives because of it. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.